Hello again and welcome back to SuccessVac, the Success Factory. My name is Felix Becker and I am, of course, your very own success coach. Now, as you know, I'm sharing conversations with you that I'm having with some incredible people, some amazing coaches, so that you too can see the power and the magic of coaching from these wonderful human beings that are out there to make a difference in this world. This week, I'm sharing my conversation with Christina Caltapiano. She's a love coach, and the conversation was deep and profound and intellectually stimulating. I had a lot of fun with this one, and I hope you do as well. Now, be sure to like and subscribe. Leave a comment below. Let me know what you think of these, what your reactions are, what you want to see more of, what you want to hear more of, because I'm here for you. I'm here to help you succeed. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Christina. Yeah. All right. All right. We're, Real we're good time. for now. We'll Real just... We'll just keep going, see where it takes us. Always technical problems. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let who are you? Who am I? Well, Felix, thank you for having me here. My name is Christina and I am a love coach. And I have been in the digital marketing space and coaching world for about four and a half years. Um, my background is psychology, public health, and social work. So I'm originally from upstate New York. And I left uh, when I was 18 and began uh, my journey through the world. I've been a digital nomad for the past six years, um, meaning that I live and work remotely. Um, I've been in the Peace Corps in Guatemala for two years. I lived in Spain for a year, Brazil for two years, Peace Corps again in Malawi, Southeast Africa. And most recently, I spent a year in Ethiopia with my partner, um, and that brings us to today, I'm in Berlin. So I would say that there's really two facets of my life. It's this traveler moving around, and then my life uh, as a digital um, person, right? So my, my work professional life is online, and my physical life is always changing, growing, um, so dabbling in in all of my interests there. Yeah, that's so that is so awesome. I mean, I I can't even imagine the people you've met, the things you've seen, the experiences you've had. How did you get into that? Like what what got you motivated to do all this traveling lifestyle? Mm, that's a great question. I was always committed to service tra uh, service um like community-based projects and specifically internationally. So I would say when I look back at how I was inspired to travel, I had aunts and uncles that traveled a lot. And my parents, not so much, but I had quite um, worldly aunts and uncles as examples. And so during my undergrad um, in Queens, New York at St. John's University, I enrolled, I was part of a volunteer leadership program where we did where we did, um, I have an alarm going off. Um, I was part of a leadership program where we did service in Queens and also abroad. So I did two semesters abroad during my undergrad, and that really planted the seed for the marrying of community-based projects internationally, right? And so that's kind of what brought me through to postgraduate Peace Corps which was very public health oriented, very community-based oriented, always connecting with people. Um, I'm a language learner, which has helped me become a better communicator and hence a better coach. 
And um, yeah, that's kind of what brought me to the international piece, this connection with people, getting really creative on how to make those connections. I think especially language learning, you it's extremely humbling, not only the language learning part, but being in somebody else's culture, in trying to fit into the way they live, adapting to living a different, you know, not having running water, not having electricity all the time, not always having a hot shower most, most of the time, uh, not having any of those luxuries. And so that's just started for me. I honestly, uh, 2010 was my first time. So now we're in 2023, that's 13 years of living all over the world, connecting with people. And I love, um, it's interesting because this has nothing to do with love coaching and it has everything to do with love coaching. Um, so I've kind of made that bridge of this person I have been, which is very worldly, connected, service oriented, and shifted it to a different kind of service, right? Yeah. Service, love, and connection. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, interesting when you mentioned like the language side of things. Um, I mean, I have studied six, maybe seven languages, I think, over the course of my life, fluent in two and a half of them. And um, it, it's always interesting to me how people in different cultures say the same thing in different ways because it has a different social meaning to it as well, right? Um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious to also know like what your experience with that is because like you said, it goes into so much connection, right? The social aspect, that interhuman connection, uh, speaking in a native tongue uh, is, is a very different experience than trying to go through some other language to communicate. Definitely. Yeah. And I would say um, on top of that, loving in a different language is a whole nother experience. And I know you mentioned that you were raised in Germany. I don't know yes. what, what your first language is or what your background is, but um, maybe, yeah, learning to love in a different language. I have had two past partners completely in Portuguese um, my partner and I now we speak in English and I'm learning German as a part of that compromise, you know, to, yeah, to yeah. Be in love and especially intercultural relationships, this pure, this piece of being committed to understanding a person in their true nature, in their essence is, is part of the admiration, the honoring of a commitment. And I would also say it's not necessary. You can completely love and know someone in a different language and not, you know, it's not a hundred percent necessary to know their language or to build really strong, beautiful connections. Yeah, And um, that's one of the things that I've learned over and over. I have, I speak three languages working on German now and I speak a lot, many languages, just a little bit. Those greetings, the ordering, especially in places like Ethiopia, Amharic is super difficult, and Malawi, where I've spent over a year in both places, showing the humility that you, you want to connect with the person in their language and really coaching, meet them where they are, is that super simple rapport building that we need more of yes that I, I see you I'm doing my best and 
Thank you. Yes. Yes. You know, it's, it's interesting. So, um, yeah, so I was born and raised in German. I'm just German straight up. German was my first language. And then I was 15 when I came to the United States. And, um, I feel like my life as a whole, like my German kind of stuck at that 15 year old level. Cause I never really had a chance to expand beyond that. Um, so I'm much more well-versed in English nowadays. Um, but, uh, what I gathered from that was I remember in Germany growing up, Americans were always like the loud, boisterous tourists who always wanted things their way, right? There was really never any, like the stereotype was they didn't want to fit in. They wanted the world to fit in with their worldview. And coming now from a very different perspective through all my life experiences, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. I think the, at least make it the attempt, right? You don't have to be good at it. You don't have to be perfect at it, but make it the attempt to learn something about the other person, to be able to connect with them on a very different level, that's sometimes all it takes to be accepted, right? Um, so that's, it's just fascinating to hear that from you uh, and, and your experiences there. Um, so with with all of that, with all of that traveling and connecting with people, uh, I kind of see that human connection is, is probably what got you into coaching, but I'm kind of more curious, like what, what really got you into coaching with, with all of that background? Yeah, I think what got me into coaching is realizing that I was coaching all the time. I just didn't know the name for it. So once I learned what coaching really was and that it's so client-led and it's really not about knowing the answers, it's about meeting the person where they are and asking really good questions, asking questions that make people think that move them and validate them in a way that they don't really have in other areas of their life. Yeah. And yeah. I think um, culturally, you know, two years in Guatemala in a rural village, they don't, people generally don't ask deep questions, at least in my experience um, with foreigners, for at least, you know, that they have their own language, especially in the town I was in, they spoke uh, Mayan language. And I started making friends and asking those deeper questions. And it, it was like, wow, I've never, no one's ever asked me that before. Yeah. Um, and being in cultures where it can stay really on the surface, which is, you know, not to say superficial, but yeah, it is superficial. Isn't always a bad thing and being able to go further is really profound. It, yeah. it really creates space for connection and more than connection, just allowing space for people to feel seen. Yeah, right, right, absolutely. Um, you know, on the question side of things in coaching, right? Um, I just yesterday I had a lunch with a friend of mine who's kind of struggling with figuring out where she's at in life and what really her path forward is going to be. And I, I pulled out some of my coaching questions and she's like, wow, uh, these are some really good questions. Um, questions that she had never really thought of. Um, so she walked away from lunch like, I have a lot of thinking to do. And I was like, exactly. And that's exactly what I wanted you to do. Um, but the, you know, it's not always about the questions that people don't ask themselves. I know from my own experience through coaching that sometimes the coach asking me the question that I've been asking myself puts a very different spin on it too. It, like, it gives it more of a immediacy. Like I have to think about the answer now. Like I, you know, the question has been going through my head for weeks myself, but I, I, I don't know what it is. It's just like, now I really have to commit to an answer. Right. And mm -hmm. it, it's that the pressure 
a little bit that's that's on me now in, in a coaching session. Um, but yeah, probing deeper and, and learning so many cool things about people uh, is is really it's just a fascinating journey. That's the the part I really love. Um, and speaking of love, so the love coaching, what does that mean? How did you end up with that? So love coaching was born after asking myself the question over and over, what do I read, consume, talk about on my own in my free time and I don't get paid for? And for the longest time, as long as I can remember, I mean, relationships are just, I love talking about relationships. I, all of my friends have come to me with relationship struggles or celebrations or um, just how to continue to grow. And when I was doing the classic, you know, what is my niche? Who do I want to serve? I jumped all around and I kept coming back to love. And for me, love is, yeah, it's fundamental to our human existence. Uh, thinking about love as a noun, um, that we are love. We actually, in our physical, spiritual, energetic being, we are love. And as a verb, that the act of love and really how do we continue to make that action um a part of our everyday life, our everyday action. And I, I, I just love love. I love love. I could geek out over love. I can um, get gushy over love. And it's not just about relationships and how to have the best partner and marriage and all of these things, which are, are wonderful and, and important. For me, it's starting with that self-love and it's much easier for people to move into the the love coaching world through the lens of I want a, a partner or I want to fix this problem with a partner I want to start dating. And what actually ends up happening is the self-love piece always comes up. So what is your relationship with self? How do you love yourself? How What does that look like? And ultimately it's those gremlins it's that inner voice what does that sound like how do you treat yourself because that's ultimately a direct reflection of how you speak to others how can we hold ourselves in a way that's just so loving and caring and not put that on other people right so if we can show up for ourselves over and over that allows the pressure to be taken off of so many other people to look externally for that validation or that, yeah, for that um, significance almost, right? Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're so right. I mean, I I I um I would say I have my experience with love and relationships is um you know looking back uh, is really defined by all the mistakes I've made myself. And if I really dig down or, you know, I, I have done this, but when I really dig down deep, uh, it's that I didn't have any self-love to begin with, right? I didn't know how to love myself because I never liked myself. Um, and so how can I, how can I love someone else if I don't even know what that means for myself, 
Um, so I, I agree with you. I think that's where it starts with yourself. And it's not just with love. I mean, really, it's with everything, right? Whether it's your job or your, your relationships with not just your partners, but at work, mm-hmm. relationships with your children. If you don't know who you are and how to love yourself, um, everything else kind of is, is a house of cards that you build that has no foundation. But uh, one thing you said that I think is interesting and I want to dig a little bit deeper on, I feel like most people speak more harshly and more critically about themselves than they do about others. So it's almost easier for people to, you know, love someone else than it is for them to love themselves. And I, I'm wondering what your experience has been with that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think one of the reframes that I love doing with clients is if they were speaking to themselves or or thinking about the way they speak to themselves and kind of putting it as a third party and saying, if this were your best friend, this person that you love unconditionally, that you think the world of, what would you say to her or to him? How would you speak to them? Yeah. And I think it's so powerful because it separates the, the, internal that those deep grained patterns beliefs that come you know stem all the way back to childhood that those inner voices and allows that more macro perspective of like looking at it over overhead and looking down and saying well I would tell her that she's beautiful I would tell her that she's so worthy of having a loving partner that X, Y, and Z, you know, fill in the blank and yeah, sure. understanding that hmm, a lot of times it's just habit. It's just our own patterns. And when we can bring awareness to that way of thinking, that pattern of thinking, only then can we start to shift something. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's with anything, right? Recognition is key. And uh, I mean, that that's part of the probably the reason so many problems in, in our, in our each individual lives exist, right? Whether that's love or our job or burnout. I mean, what, whatever topic you want to choose, it's the fact that we're so habitual and have a routine and it's difficult to change that. There's so much resistance to change that because we have, you know, the, the inertia to change is so mo- uh, monumental, it seems. Um, but yeah, recognition is the, is the first step before we can actually enact any change. Um, I'm wondering if in, in your experience with, with this love coaching with people, what do you see is like the biggest problem people have with loving other people and whether that's relationships like romantic partners or even just friendships or, or professional, you know, work relationships. Yeah, I hear that. And the first thing that comes up for me is nervous system regulation that so much of our patterns whether in relationship or in work come back to what is familiar for us and so if you are if you grew up let's say in a chaotic home your nervous system is activated most of the time or you're problem solving all of the time or you know on the opposite end of the spectrum like in this state of freeze then in relationship I work with a lot more women than than anybody else and so often with women, we can see, for example, um, repeated patterns. And, and I think with anybody, but repeated patterns of this up and down, like dating people who have this, this 
uh, inconsistency that is familiar and that that's not what they want. It's incongruent with what they want, which is a loving, consistent, reliable partner. And it's, they don't know how to change that pattern, right? Their nervous system knows that and thinks, okay, that's, that's safe. That's what I know to be safe, but their brain, their, you know, part of this, what they're learning is in order to be actually have what they want, they need that stable regulated nervous system. So how, how do you, how do we achieve that? Yeah. I mean, the first step is just uh, being aware of when you are activated. And this is something that my partner and I work on a lot, um, which is one of the beauties of, of being in relationship. And one of the scariest parts is having a, a mirror all the time that's showing you your most beautiful sides and your most scary ugly shadow sides and becoming aware of when your tempo is going up when um you're you're activated your heart is pumping or really the opposite it can be the opposite at an end of the pendulation which is you're in freeze you don't want to do anything you're paralyzed um there's there's no clarity on which way to go and the first step, as we're saying, is, is awareness, is bringing awareness to where you are. What activities do you do that help bring you into balance? For some people, that's um, exercising, just straight out. It doesn't have to be Zen, yoga, meditation. That's, um, it's not for everybody. Um, it can just be riding a bike, going for a walk, um, starting with anything that helps you bring awareness to what your state is. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so true. But I also see some of those same problems, um, not just in romantic relationships, but in my world, I see that a lot with professional relationships because people, and it again, starts with the self. And if you're not sure who you are, how can you create the right boundaries with the people around you? Because other people will start to creep into your space because they don't know where your boundaries are. You don't, they don't know where you start and where you end. And if you don't know where you start and where you end, how can you tell other people what your boundaries are, right? Mm-hmm. And so I see that a lot too, where, uh, where people are really upset. Like, you know, they're like, I need to say yes to everything because I want people to like me. Um, but there's no boundary then for that. And, and other people will take and take and take and take because they don't know where, where you're going to start and end. Uh, and so it's, I feel like that's, that's a basic tenet, not just for romantic relationships, but for any interpersonal relationship. Um, so f- for you and your coaching practice, and you said you you mostly work with uh, with women right now, but like, who are your ideal clients? Like who who do would you like to work with? How, yeah. how can you help them, right? Yeah. Um, so the people that I work with are individuals or couples or people in relationships. So it can be, you can be single, you can be in a relationship, but people that are committed to unraveling their self-limiting beliefs around love and relationship, unveiling the patterns that keep coming up and are committed to a a future vision, right? So 
um, a client that I'm working with is really looking for her forever person who's already had, you know, a long marriage and is um, in this really interesting place of having been married 20 years and now is as single for a couple of years, but doesn't know where to start. And all of those patterns that her 20 year old self had 20 when, when she and her, her former um, partner got together, those are surfacing now. So it's really being open to anything that arises and allowing for that connection, the mirroring, the container holding. So I hold the space. I work really through one-on-one sessions and Voxer um, audio messaging. Mm -hmm. And that honestly, the Voxer, the audio messaging is where the most growth happens because I get messages that are in real time, um, witnessing their pattern of thinking they they will share what's happening either in a when they're activated or something's going on or just for an update and it allows me to really see what's what their what their internal thoughts are like and then make sense of it for them right yeah. to send all the information to me and I give it back to them in a way of like this is what I'm seeing this is what I'm hearing and then asking some questions yeah so, uh, and I, I come at this from a bit of a selfish uh, perspective. There's been a lot of narcissists in my world and a lot of the people that um, uh, I've met over the years also have had uh, some incredibly narcissistic people destroy them in a way. So how do narcissists fit, fit into this big picture? Hmm. And what can we do about them? <laughs> More importantly, what can we do about narcissists? <laughs> yeah, so just touching on what you said before, Felix, on boundaries. So there's a quote that I love from Brene Brown. It's the acronym B-I-G. So what boundaries do I need to maintain my integrity and make the most generous assumptions about you? And when I hear the word narcissist or narcissism, I... I think so much of it is about boundaries, is about noticing who you feel safe around. And that's, again, nervous system. So really, and this is what I work on with with clients, is that compass of safety. What does safety look like and feel like in your body? What relationships in your life do you feel safe in? And what are the elements of those relationships? So that as people are looking for partners, they can start to notice like, oh, that same thing I felt with my best friend, I, I get that feeling of safety with this person. And in terms of narcissism, narcissists, I think it's having your eyes and ears open and honoring what your intuition says. So love coaching is so much about exercising the muscle of your intuition you know who you feel good with, you know who you're like, oh, wow, I like what they tell me, but like, there's something about them that just, I don't really trust. And you can trust, you can, you can have that feeling and still coexist with people, work with people. That's part of the adaptability of just operating in this world, right? We will have lots of different personalities and knowing what boundaries you need with people and what is your limit in terms of letting them in your internal world? Yeah, yeah. 
That's good. I like that. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think boundaries are so important. Uh, I mean, that's why, that's why I mean, I think boundaries are important for any interpersonal mm -hmm. relationship because people need to know where you begin and where you end. Uh, and if you don't know that for yourself, how can you convey that to someone else? Uh, I'm sure you also, in your experience, um, have a lot of people who have gotten hurt before in previous relationships, who have just burned uh, by bad experiences uh, that, that almost seem defining. And I, there's a lot of people, I think, that, uh, again, just from, from my limited experience, because I'm not, I'm not in, in that space that you're in, but from my experience, um, who get so burned that they almost don't want to date again. Um, and and how do, how, what are you doing to help them get out of that and be like, no, you actually are worthy of love. You ab absolutely will be able to find a partner, right? Um, you've gotten hurt. I get that, but we can move forward. How, how, how do you make that transition? Yeah, so that comes into those self-limiting beliefs of um, do you, like for me, it's, some, some, uh, it's funny because the first person I worked on this with was my mom years and years ago. It's like, do you believe that there is someone out there that that will love you and hold you in exactly who you are and in your um, wholeness as a person? Do you believe that there is a person out there? Yeah. And her answer was no. And I, and I think it's, it, it's still, it's still like it. So for me, the work is believing that that is possible and what work needs to be done to get there. Right. Because pain, the thing about love again, Brene Brown um, speaks about this is that vulnerability is the birthplace of love, joy, connection. And it's also the birthplace of pain, disconnection and hurt. And so we love at the same capacity as we're able to get hurt, right? The more we love, the more the more possibility there is to be hurt. And so it's in that decision of I'm scared, I'm gonna get hurt. I I that that's super valid. And what what is the other side of that? Are you so scared that you will get hurt that you don't want to be open to love? And then how to bring them from point A, which is scared, closed off, not wanting to be vulnerable to really believing that love and remembering what that love, joy, and connection feels like. Yeah. No, yeah. that's that's so good. I mean, I think kind of kind of what you described there made me think, you know, without spaces, there are no words. Without mistakes, there's no success. Without pain, there cannot be love, right? Um, so leaning into that and understanding that, you know, your feelings and emotions are totally valid, but uh, you don't have to stay in this place. We can grow out of it and move on so that you can feel the other end of the spectrum. I think exactly what you said is the more you love, the more pain you're risking, uh, potentially experiencing. That, that's so good. That's so awesome. I love that. Um, let me ask you just a few sort of semi-random questions. Um, I, I know you've been to a lot of places already, but what is a place that you haven't been to yet, but really want to visit? Hmm, that's a great question. Uh, Australia? I um, just started recently working with Australians and they're such wonderful people. And my partner spent a few years um in Australia as an exchange student in high school and has really wonderful things to say. Australia has always been 
one of those places that I thought, oh, I'll get there when I'm retired because the you can't travel. I, I tend to like places where you can travel um, and live really economically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I typically like places where the language is different than English, but my interest has been peaked in yes. Australia. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, actually, uh, uh, Australia's on my bucket list too. Um, there's a taco place that opened up maybe about a couple of years ago around here and they sell kangaroo tacos. So they fly kangaroo meat in from Australia. Uh, it was quite an interesting experience. Uh, so yeah, I, I hear you on Australia. I think it's a very interesting country. Uh, and even though they speak English, the culture is still somewhat different. So uh, all those big spiders and other reptiles that they have right, <laughs> to survive. All right. Would you rather take a cold shower on a hot day or a hot bath on a cold day? Ooh, that one's so good. Okay. So in Germany, I got into baths. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really a bath person. So I would say a warm bath on a cold day. Yeah. Now I, I have to ask just for my German heritage, when you're saying baths, are you talking about the bathtub at home or going to a bath? <laughs> a bathtub. So okay. um, I also love the German spas. They're, they're incredible. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, but here actually not in my apartment, unfortunately, but when I was living here for a month, a few years ago, my friend had a bath and we just, I just took baths all the time because that w- those winter months, it gets dark at four 30 and you're <laughs> home and I'm like, yeah, okay. Let's light some candles and take a bath. This is all so right. great. That's awesome. I think I already know the answer to this one, but would you rather be able to speak any language in the world or know the answer to every trivia question? Yeah, absolutely. Any language in the world. That is, yes. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to say that one. All right. Last question. This is uh, uh, this is a bit of an odd one, but would you rather have a cat that barks or a dog that meows? A dog that meows. These, these are really funny. Yeah, I'm definitely more of a dog person. And I would love, yeah, a dog that doesn't bark. That's that's what some dogs are annoying because they bark so much. So let's just give them. Very true. All right, good. So, any last words from you? Anything you want to share with the world? And also, where where can people find you and connect with you? Yeah. So my handle on Instagram is love with Chris. It's love um, underscore with underscore Chris. And my website will be launching soon. And I will also have a podcast with the same name, Love With Chris, coming next year. Awesome. That is so cool. And I'll make sure that all the links are going to be in the description below for everyone who's watching this so they can connect with you more easily. Very cool. Well, thanks for doing this. Yeah. yeah one Christina with a K. So Chris, right. K-R-I-S. That's, that's good to know. Yes, indeed. Awesome. Well, thank you. This was awesome. Um, thank you, Felix.